episode 33 of Beers, Business, and Balls. This show is presented by Anchor. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to start your podcast today. And also brought to you in part by our friends at Dugout Creative for the best concept merch on the market. Go to dugoutcreative.com. 15% off your order if you use the code BBBPOD. Just because it's not baseball season and that Cyber Monday is over doesn't mean that you can't rock a nice jersey or a brand new long sleeve hoodie, a great long sleeve hoodie collection on dugoutcreative.com. And use promo code BBBPOD for 15% off anything in the store. Jake Zimmer, Will Tondo, we have an awesome guest for you this week. If you like beer and you like business, Greg Avola is pretty much the GOAT. Uh, started untapped, became the CTO, and now he's doing a really lot of cool shit. But uh, in other news, happy to have you back in the studio. We're back in Prov. New job starts Thursday. Hell yeah. A lot of great beer coming your way. A lot of great content coming your way as well. We have... A lot of big things in store. Going to be releasing stuff in the next couple weeks, so keep in mind with that. But yeah, Greg Avola this week. I mean, if you use Untapped and you are a fan of the craft beer industry, this guy walked so we can run. Um, he <laughs> literally is like the coolest guy ever. Uh, he's a new father, so congratulations to him. But he's just talking shop with us about everything you love about this podcast, beers and business. And I think there's a little balls there. There's a couple weeks ago. I think there are. Of it. Yeah. But I mean, overall, really excited for you guys to listen to that. So we hope you enjoy. And without further ado, I mean, lead us in, man. Are we just, are we just going <laughs> to cheers it? Let's cheers. And, uh, we don't review any beers with Greg, but we shout out plenty of them. So the beers are getting their highlights. Yeah. Um, Greg, <laughs> the floor is yours. Greg Avola, CTO of Untapped, and now I believe his official title is the Chief Content Officer or something along those lines, or Chief, Chief Engagement Cre- or Chief Creative Officer. Creative Officer, yes. So Greg Avola basically started this um, kind of out of the blue. The a bunch of guys were kind of talking, and they needed someone to code an app for them, and it turned out to be a long and great journey for Greg Avola. So we hit beers, we hit business, we might hit a little balls. Who even knows? But Without further ado, here is Greg Avola. All right, everybody, with us this week, we have the founder of Untapped, everyone's favorite craft brewery app. With us today is Greg Avola. Greg, how are you doing? And first and foremost, by the time this ep- episode airs, you'll be a new father. So congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Hopefully everything goes as planned on that end, but uh, happy to be here and thanks for having me on the show. Awesome. So for our listeners, you know, we are the Beers, Business and Balls podcast. Alongside with us today is Ryan Denson of Boston Beers. So you know what we're talking about. We're talking about craft beers. And this app has been a lifesaver for many craft beer drinkers and users and breweries. So first and foremost, let's start the story off. You know, tell us who is Greg Avola? Very, very good question to start off. So I am... Uh, entrepreneur, uh, product strategist, a developer, engineer across the board. So when I uh, met my co-founder to, to build this app back in 2010 in the summertime, you know, my my main purpose of building it was to learn more about technology. I graduated from a computer science degree from school uh, and wanted to kind of apply some of the logic stuff that I had built on there. And then um, basically from my perspective, I wanted to be able to kind of build off of technology and build services that help people in the real world. We thought about industries that were inherently social, uh, things that you kind of do on a regular basis with people, obviously not in COVID because 
can't do anything social in COVID these days. But, uh, you know, back in 2010, we said, hey, beer is inherently social. We're doing this right now. We're drinking together, um, you know, but there's not an online version of that that is similar to Facebook uh, or a real-time version of that. There's definitely some rating sites like uh, Beer Advocate and Rape Beer and ones that predated us from that perspective, but it wasn't real-time. It wasn't in the moment. We kind of took our loves of kind of building social networks around that area and kind of married with them with Foursquare, which at the time was everyone was using that platform to check in beer and, and kind of shared across the community. Uh, we took those two things together and we kind of, you know, on tap was born. You know, I always tell the story that I really wasn't into beer when I first made it. I was more interested in technology and the, the social aspects, being an engineer and entrepreneur from that perspective. But I soon figured out what beers I liked through the platform. And I said, hey, it works for me. You can probably work for a lot of people out there as well. So um, that's kind of the story of how it all started. You know, I I self-taught a lot of the programming that I, I learned over the years. I went to uh, Bentley University. When I graduated, it was actually Bentley College and then when I did grad school at Bentley University, so I have two plaques on my wall that are oh, from wow. two schools differently. <laughs> that doesn't happen very often, I would assume, most people's life from a collegiate career. Uh, but you know, I, I kind of learned a lot about business acumen and understanding the, the business plans and then what we tried to accomplish for monetization from that. And then it's kind of self-taught a lot of the engineer engineering skills I have today uh, from there. So hopefully that answers the question of who I am. But I gave a little background of everything that we do at Untapped and how it all started. So Greg, when, when kids grow up, they say, you know, I want to be a firefighter or an astronaut <laughs> or like a police officer. Uh, they don't really ever say, Hey, I want to create a, a beer social network and engineer it on the front end back end. So what did you <laughs> want to do when you were, were growing up? Maybe as a kid, maybe a teen, um, you know, what, where did you originally want to go with your career and what did you want to do with your life? I've always been into computers from the very early ages. So I built my first computer when I was like 12. Uh, wow. I used to take apart, um, you know, remember those old uh, calculator with the tape on them that would kind of print out stuff yeah. like that. I used to take those apart, put them back together and kind of understand how things worked at a young age. So I was always building the computers uh, and kind of knew that I wanted to do something in the engineering space. That's something that I always wanted to do. But, you know, you know, prior to talking to you guys, I, I was looking back at some of the old, you know, uh, high school yearbooks and middle school yearbooks, see if there's anything in there that would kind of gleam about something that I put down what I wanted to do with my life from that perspective. And there was a point in my middle school notebook that my career was to own a company and be like the next Microsoft. Now, I'm not sure we're the next Microsoft, but I did own a company and I did make something out of it. So I guess that was in the, in the, in the blood from the very beginning. I always wanted to turn around technology and computers as my, my, uh, my main interest at a young age. I mean, in our minds, you are the Microsoft of uh, our, our expertise. <laughs> you might as well be. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we absolutely that. love it. But so you found it untapped in 2010. You know, what was the story and inspiration behind developing this app? And how did you create and manage this large scale project while working full time with your very impressive resume at KPMG, Morgan Stanley, and then later on uh, Disney ABC, ABC Television Group? Yeah. So, you know, Untap has always been a side project for the first five and a half years. So we, we built it on the premise that we didn't really know where it would, would take us. If you had asked me, you know, 10 years ago, if I'd be talking to some people that I have no idea who they are personally about this app, I, I would tell you you're crazy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, our, our envision was to try to get Untap to a level where you know, we could get some feedback and improve the product. So we kind of wanted to take, again, the, the love of craft beer and the love of the kind of social experiment and kind of merge them together in one with this check-in process. When we first created Untapped, there was no ratings. It was just a location where you want to add at where you were and what you thought of the beer. So we've morphed a lot over time from there. You know, trying to build it as a part-time gig is pretty, it's obviously very tough. I mean, I used to work a full-time job, then come home and work another full-time job. And we scale from zero to about three and a half million users, uh, mainly on just 
doing it part-time. It's one thing when you're in school to teach you how to build apps for like, you know, five, 10 people and they ding you like one point off on a query because it wasn't written the correct way, but they don't teach you how to do that for millions and millions of people across the way. So mm-hmm. it was a learning experience and trying to, to learn from, mm-hmm. from my past as well uh, and just do it on the side. And, you know, I was really motivated to do it because I really love the community and love the beer industry and I wanted to build something for it. So it helped me keep pushing forward with it. You know, my job at ABC News at Disney was actually spurred because of Untapped. I remember I had never had a full-time job in computer engineering as an engineer. I worked in Morgan Stanley, you mentioned KPMG, more audit stuff. Um, And then I remember applying for jobs in New York City when I moved there. uh, And I said, hey, I want to do engineering. And no one's like, you you worked at Morgan Stanley internal audit. What makes you qualified for for a computer engineering job? And I'm like, well, I built this thing called Untap. Like, oh yeah, it's not, that's not big. Yeah, you know, I don't know what that is. But I remember my, my boss at ABC News, he actually brought me in. He turned the computer around. He goes, did you build this? And it was untapped on his screen. And he said, yeah, I, yeah, I built that. He goes, when can you start? I'm a huge fan. I love the app. So I got my job there because of untapped. And that actually helped me a lot with my career in engineering to kind of continue that growth uh, to where I am today from a technical perspective. But it's all about perseverance and motivation. You know, you, with a side project, everyone, you know, tends to say, oh, you know, I'll, I'll work on that tomorrow or, you know, maybe I'll do something else with it. Uh, but basically the, the premise would be that, you know, motivation of users always coming back and, always giving them something new, kept me going and uh, continue to build a product uh, as I can. And that's a really good point to, uh, to just go off that real quick before we, we start talking about Untapped specifically. Mm-hmm. When you were working these full-time jobs, did there hit a breaking point where you're just like, oh shit, I'm going to be trapped in this hole forever? <laughs> or was there like a, a point in corporate America that um, you kind of knew that you didn't want to look back? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people told us from the early on that because we hadn't quit our full-time jobs that we weren't serious about the project. I remember we re- reached out to a couple venture capitalists try to raise some funds and maybe do it full-time. And the feedback we got was, well, you guys are not dedicated and you're not doing it hard enough. And I'm like thinking to myself, like, you have no idea. I'm like not sleeping at all. And I'm working two full-time jobs, support my family and put food on the table, but in turn, you know, support these 3 million people that signed up to the service. We've had no money on advertising whatsoever. And they just happened to be there. So I think it's a testament to like the, the, the building a product today versus what it was before. You could definitely build a, a MVP or a most, uh, you know, a minimal viable product of what you want to build without having to quit your job and eat Twinkies pretty much the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> so I think that there's a lot of people out there maybe say, I have an idea for something, but I don't, I don't, I don't want to quit my job. Well, I think you can definitely build something out there in the time that you have. And it's a, a more effective way to see if something works. You don't want to quit your job, think that, you know, building, you know, some business from XYZ is going to be the, 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 the career for you and find out that it's not. So you also want to have something to fall back on. And for me, that's what I did. And I, I feel very happy that we we're able to kind of steer it from those VCs that probably wouldn't give us a lot of creative control over what untapped is today um, to continue down that path. Awesome. Well, well, first of all, I, I want to say, Greg, huge fan uh, as a beer guy myself. <laughs> um, I know I haven't ever said much, but I actually started. So funny enough, uh, when I went to school at Hobart College. I started my career in uh, the love of craft beer through Untapped. I started a, um, a, a sort of uh, independent study with my with my college professor and we would rate all of our beers on Untapped. And then we That's created awesome geographic market that would show the best places in the Finger Lakes. And we actually use your data from oh, all nice. people combined and actually found the best beer in the Finger Lakes. So first of all, kudos to you. This is awesome. I love it. <laughs> As a huge fan, uh, the Boston Beer Guy loves Untapped, uses it all the time. Um, Fantastic. That being said, I know you have a lot of like key partners, including Foursquare, Sam Adams, Dogfish Head. Um, how did you convince these companies to partner with you on Untapped? 
Yeah, I mean, the first one we got was Sam Adams. It actually was the end of 2010. So he'd only been around for about three three-ish months uh, from that perspective. And they actually searched Twitter. They didn't have a Twitter account at the time, Sam Adams, which is crazy to think wow. about how that was back then, but they didn't. And they searched on ta- they searched their own brand on Twitter and they found all these check-ins that people were sharing to Sam Adams on, on, on from Untapped to Twitter. It's like, what is this? They click in, they try to contact us. I remember the time I was working for Morgan Stanley, I remember I had, you know, I remember taking that phone call in like the lobby of the building so that I could on a lunch break or something like that. And they wanted to, to, to buy a badge for us to kind of promote their beer, Infinium, which was their holiday beer uh, at the very end of 2020 or 2010, sorry. So like they reached out to us. A lot of the re- people that kind of connect with us are just organic and they come to us because they see the fans, people checking in on tapped and that spreads across uh, a wildfire on social media. One of the biggest beneficial things from day one to get the brewery interest is we automatically would tag a brewery tweet with by their username. So automatically mention them when someone shared their check-ins. Now a lot of brewers hate us for doing that because their social pages are just filled with check-ins from that side. But <laughs> in the early days, it really helped significantly because it got our attention about what Untapped is to them, got them to claim their page or manage their beer list on there, or engage with their customers. So I think it's a combination of both efforts. We didn't do a lot of outreach for these people because you know we were small, we didn't have a sales team or anything of that nature. So a lot of the early badges that we had on the service were actually coming in from inbound leads from them and not actually us reaching out, which is crazy to think about these bigger breweries kind of reaching out to these, this small two-man team. But I think that this is a testament to like our, our, our motivation and our willing to kind of work hard to get things done and be attentive to our community because we had tons of users come to us. Hey, I didn't know that you guys were doing this on part-time. You guys are like a big company, right? You're in San Francisco or something like that. Like, no, no, no. It's uh, untapped headquarters is my apartment. You know, that's pretty much what it is. So uh, there's no tours allowed of this. My wife's going to kill me if that happens. But uh, oh, I think when it comes down to it uh, on this side, I think that it's all about being able to kind of portray your strength and, and not be someone that you're not just be positive with what you're trying to go out there, listen to the users and make, make adjustments. And that's kind of what, what, what Boston beer and dogfish kind of saw with us. And that's kind of the, the, the story that we like to show. Was there a, was there one brewery or large account that when you got, you were like, it was like the, Oh crap moment. Like this is actually going to be big. Like you're really excited about it. And like, obviously if I pulled in Sam Adams, like that's a huge thing, but like, right. you know, for you, like what was kind of that, that turning point being like, we actually have something here. Cause this brewery reached out to me. Yeah. I mean, it's not a, uh, probably a, a very, uh, well-known craft brewery, but, uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon, uh, reached out to us <laughs> wow. and, uh, they did this crazy promotion. The biggest one we've ever done on the service to this day is that they had 17 badges that they sponsored for their beer old style, which, you know, again, not going to turn any heads in the craft beer world, but it was actually 17 (laughs) different uh, neighborhood badges. So you go to Chicago and you'd actually check into old style on these 17 different neighborhoods and you get a badge and you actually would be able to go into after you're not 17 enter in to win this like a like huge like, uh, like a, a koozie cake uh, a refrigerator that was branded from old style and how you can earn the badges you can put them on your, your jacket it's like the first kind of really big promotion we ever did and yeah. uh, I remember doing that and programming it all up I'm like wow like this is like this is a major brand not not a craft brand but it's a major brand that had reached out to us on the limb and wanted this major 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 badge exploration with us that no one else ever done and at that point I was like wow that was that's pretty crazy. I mean, nothing to this day has kind of come to that level, except for the only one that I can think of is Goose Island did a huge promotion with us recently uh, where we can like, they could earn badges with uh, their, their brand and then transfer that badge to prizes. And the prizes, could you, you turn them in for like uh, t-shirts and keychains and stuff like that. So we've definitely done a lot of crazy things with uh, with bigger ones, but that first big one with Plastic Ribbon and Old Style was like the biggest one that 
before we even merged with next class or anything of that nature was the, the crazy thing I, I've ever seen on that. In old style too. That's, that's like, you, you think of that and you think of the, the old school, you know, Wrigley beer and all that yeah, stuff. Like that's what you get absolutely. when you go to Wrigley fields and that's absolutely. incredible. You meet the, you meet what's been there basically since beer had ever been served at baseball games with the new, yeah. like, this is, we're merging this with tech here. Um, that must've been a huge win for you guys. It was a huge win. And more importantly, the community loved it. You know, we were a little iffy on the fact that, you know, it's not necessarily the uh, number one craft beer you pull out of your fridge uh, uh, from that perspective, unless it's game day. Right. Uh, but on, <laughs> on, on that side, we had people that would, would fly up from Arizona, California, and they rent a car for the weekend and they would just go around trying to drink these responsibly, obviously in these neighborhoods. And it was amazing to see that kind of like excitement toward this new kind of badge system that we put out. People were really excited about earning them. So it was a, a big win for us, but more importantly, just validation that the brand that we created was catching on. And uh, we didn't have a ton of users back then, uh, probably a little under, a little over a million. Um, and yet still people would flock to it and, 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 and they were willing to sponsor those. So it was really cool to see. I like how you said you didn't have a lot of viewers uh, or subscribers, and then you said a little over a million. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's a pretty small speaking. number. <laughs> yeah, just a, speaking, a, a, a humble million uh, <laughs> users. I'm trying yes. to get a thousand, I'm trying to get a thousand followers on my Instagram. A million would be incredible. <laughs> what um, what? How many users does Untapped have at the moment? We have close to nine million users on the platform now, which is <laughs> yeah, pretty, so, pretty yeah. that's, that's a small number. Yeah. I, I guess comparatively, yes, one out of one out of nine or yeah, I mean, nine times. Yeah. You, you have nine times what you did now, so I guess sure we'll throw in the the small amount of one million users bucket for sure. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> well, I remember uh, you were mentioning the badges, and that is a good segue point because I remember how I got familiar with Untapped was my local brewery, Greenport Harbor. Um, yep. in Long Island, and they had you know it was like the first check-in badge when I you know. Mm-hmm turned turned 21 and, and checked in with my beer there. Um, but you began as the CTO and now you're the chief creative officer. So what did you get to, you know, what are you going to do with this specific role and what are the future plans that Untapped has? Yeah, so with this new role, uh, I'm more, more focusing on the community. It's something that I'm really passionate about from that perspective is making sure that the community uh, is heard. Uh, when you talk about big companies, then we're definitely growing from that perspective, from not just a, a user base, but also from an employee perspective as well. We have close to 95 employees that work for Untap now, which is pretty crazy. And every time I say that number, but you know, understanding that the community, community's voice is always heard. It's very important when you have bigger companies, it's something they lose the direction of like what the user wants. They get too business focused. They throw ads everywhere. You know, my goal is to keep a, a really close ear to what the users are looking for in the app, make sure that's translated into product requirements for the development teams, make sure that they're always listening for things that make more sense in the community. But also as our media and content division. We don't normally do a lot of these things. We have a podcast uh, on our side as well. We recently launched something called Untapped TV, which is our first foray into the media world of Untapped, where I'll do some uh, virtual happy hours. And obviously, you know, this thing launched in the middle of COVID. So why not try using more live broadcasts from that perspective where we interview you know, guests and, and, and people from the industry and, you know, with people like Garrett Oliver from Brewer, we had Greg from Stone, we've had some, uh, Sam from Dogfish Head come on and talk to people as well, kind of get them enthralled with some of the media opportunities that we have. And then resurfacing our blog content is something that I'm also, you know, responsible for doing a lot more data-driven analysis and seeing, you know, how COVID does affect these things. So that's my new role from this perspective here. Obviously we've kind of, uh, uh, put the untapped virtual TV stuff on hold on hiatus as I will be out on paternity leave, but on the most, most of the stuff we're continuing to build off of our podcast and media initiatives and social media to kind of build a brand around untapped that we traditionally never have a really focus on. We would post 
nothing really on our Instagram or Twitter except for badge stuff. And now we're trying to do a lot more if you've seen some of the stuff that we've done to make more engaging content for our users across the board and bring them into the tap ecosystem as we celebrate 10 years, obviously this year, and then uh, you know, going forward from that, from that side. This is a really, that. yeah, congratulations, yeah, 10 years, 10 that's years. nuts. It feels like yesterday, honestly, that's great. but I mean, 10 years ago, we were also what, 13, 14, yeah. 15, years old. Yeah. Um, I, was still, I was still using untapped back then. <laughs> Against our parents' goodwill, I'm sure. Yeah. But, I was checking in for my dad. Yeah, of course, that's, we all were, right. <laughs> um, Greg, this is a nice transition now into, um, you know, you, you just mentioned a lot of things with COVID and, you know, you, having the opportunity to launch these virtual events. Um, I want to take you back 10 months ago. Do you remember there was this thing that everyone in our community used to do? It was called a beer festival because oh, yes. I'm having a little trouble remembering what it's like uh, packing everyone in a room. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, 10 years ago, 10 months ago, everyone was in a different situation. We would probably be doing this in person if it wasn't 10 months ago. So literally. Yeah. Crazy. And it, well, honestly, if this were a different situation 10 months ago, I don't know if we'd have our podcast by now. Yeah, <laughs> we, this came in April. So uh, yeah, let's right. be, let's be clear. Um, it had its good and it's bad, obviously, but you know, for years, right? For 10, 15, 20 years, people were going to big beer festivals and it was just booming, right? And every single year, beer creators and influencers were having these events and they're getting traction and craft beers gaining more market stature, uh, market share, I should say. And then all of a sudden, you know, we go into this time where we can't do that anymore, right? So part of this virtual uh, aspect to your job is definitely getting a lot more appealing. And I feel like you guys have a lot of opportunity here. So that being said, in your eyes, you can either take the lens of, you know, untapped the company or yourself. What do you think virtual beer events are going to look like? And what do you think the future of these events are? You know, I'll be completely honest with you. We had a, a untapped beer festival uh, last year in 2019. We had some some struggle with some weather issues from that perspective, but for the most part, that was a really in, in, insane experience. Probably another one of those top moments of, of my career here at Untapped, where we actually were on the uh, Bank of America Stadium, where the Panthers play oh, on the awesome. field. You know, for your very first beer festival, it was insane. But I think that you know, going forward now, I'm not sure that there's going to be a a time where we're, we'll, we'll, we'll be able to all feel comfortable again to get back in a, in a physical setting. I mean, obviously it's going to happen, but I think that it's going to take a lot longer for people to actually, you know, do that. It was crazy. The weird part about all this is you're watching like the world series last night or, or, or wherever, and you see fans in the stadium and that is weird to you. Like you look at that and you're like, that's weird. Yeah. As opposed to the other way around where it's like, wow, it's weird when there's nobody in the stands when the baseball season restarted. So I think, it's hard to say where, when we're going to be able to get back to that kind of in-person moment, but I think virtual is something that we're definitely exploring a lot, both at Untapped and me personally as well. Like I said, we've, we've launched our Untapped TV, which are virtual kind of happy hours from that perspective. We've done already a, a virtual festival in, in June where we had people buy back a packs of beer from our, our providers and send it out to their homes. And we did a live kind of uh, a thing uh, that people can watch and stuff like that. And we're doing another one for Europe which will be really cool to kind of explore in the end of November as well. Um, so, you know, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. I think there's a lot of untapped, no pun intended, uh, opportunity. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, wow. You totally put that in there. <laughs> for, for actually making this stuff a real, a real sticking point. And I think, you know, as being able to get back out there, there's always going to be people that are probably not going to go out for, for their own safety reasons. And, and whether it's a vaccine or whether it's something else, there's going to be something else that kind of holds people back and having virtual options could definitely expand, expand your, expand your horizons on, on, on getting people into your event. I, I know that 
we every year held our 10th our anniversary parties in New York City, and we couldn't do that this year. So instead, we did a virtual, you know, a half day kind of thing where people can log in, see what's going on and feel they're part of it all over the world. So I think that's a great opportunity to kind of bring people in that normally could not do it for the cost or travel reasons. But, you know, just specifically with the beer festivals, the only thing that's, that's really forcing it to be physical is the beer. You can do the, everything else really kind of that interaction from a virtual thing, but the beer is one that you really can't do. That's why I'm more interested about conferences and events that have nothing to do with physical entities. Like, you know, the, the technology conferences all over and all, you can all do it remote now. I mean, you don't have to pay the, the, the hotel, the, the fees for all your employees. You go, they all can do it remote and, and finding ways to network can be done the same way now. So it, it's going to be interesting to see where the future holds, but I think that virtual is still the, a very hot topic with people. And I think that it has a lot more legs to go and including it on tap as well. So I have, so I, as, as someone who kind of feels like I'm in your shoes right now, obviously I'm not building out this massive app, but I am someone who's trying to build out my own brand. You know, I've, I've started this Boston beers sort of Instagram and sort of, I guess, brand behind it for about a few years. Again, started with untapped, um, kind of brought into what it is now. And, you know, I, I actually adapted just like you guys did. You're doing the untapped TV. I'm doing my own, um, beer reviews called frosty boy Fridays, where I'll actually review beers live, um, on mm -hmm. a zoom call just like this with brewers. So I've had, you know, a tons of people on in the uh, greater Boston area, probably people you would know. So what sort of advice do you have for someone like myself or entrepreneurs who are working a full-time job like I am, <laughs> but also trying to develop and then trying to balance as well as develop their own ideas and ventures? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, that's basically what I, I went through with Untapped. I think that you always want to make sure that you're listening to your community of people that are fans of your product. One of the things I think was very successful for Untapped is from the first like three or four years, I answered every single email that came in from our support perspective to get an understanding of what and how the user thinks and what they want to see. Thinking of talking about, you know, we have a moderator group on Untapped that actually are volunteers to help edit and merge beers, getting really close to them and talking about what they're looking to see. Then you get a good view of what your product should go to and the track that you should go down in terms of getting more people in. That's the most amazing part. I feel like with Untapped TV almost is like another startup in a sense where it's not something we've ever done before. So I'm constantly listening to feedback from users to try to figure out what show elements will draw people in, who are the guests we want to have on there, how interactive do we have to be to kind of gain people's attention. So mm -hmm. I would feel like it's listening to your, your community, sending out you know newsletters, sending out uh, surveys. Did you like that last review? What do you think we should focus on next time? That's what's going to get more, more traction across the board. And also partnering with people and finding ways to ingrain your business with somebody else, whether you're a small entrepreneur and you're in the beer space, you know, finding a comparable uh, uh, network out there to kind of lash into and say, hey, let's work on together. Let's collaborate. Let's figure out. Or a fun podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, that's another way to kind of do that. But there's a lot of mediums now that you can use to kind of. Uh, get your word out there. There's podcasts, there's, there's, there's live video, there's video content, you know, the finger it's all your fingertips back in 2010, like Instagram just launched. That's how old we are at that particular time period. So it's crazy to see like where things have gone and where we are today. Uh, I think I'd have a lot more power at my fingertips back 10 years ago, if I had the tools today uh, to kind of, you know, accelerate the brand, but that's what I'd recommend from that side. Okay. That's, that's I think that's, too. yeah, that's a good oh, go question. Ahead, Ryan. No, no, no. I was, I was just saying, thanks. That's great advice. I mean, that's kind of the biggest thing is, is not a lot of people give me feedback. So I just kind of do my own thing, but it's, it's yep. good to hear sort of like what your progression was and how you just, you know, merged into what you're doing through the feedback. And that's, that's a really good um, answer. So thank you. Yeah. Newsletters and, and, you know, feedback forms that they're, they're just like, you know, getting people to subscribe to those to get updates. Yeah. That's a great way to kind of just uh, get that feedback there. That, Instagram uh, polls. Give, yeah. Polls and stuff. Cool. Like that too. Yeah. I, I was, 
and before, you know, Will goes into the fun stuff with beers and all that good stuff, like favorite beers and breweries, you, you made, you just said something really interesting, Greg, that mm. I, I want to press you on a little bit. Um, Instagram came out in 2010, pretty much. Right. Mm -hmm. So you guys, I mean, in 10 years, the social media landscape and just marketing in general has pretty much flipped, <laughs> you know, 180 degrees. Oh, yeah. So that being said, if you were starting on tap today and there's nothing like it, would you have taken a different approach here with you and your founding team or, or would it been, would it have been relatively similar? I think it'd be similar. I think our outreach and, and, and tools we'd use would be a lot better. I think we would leverage the technology that's out there from a social perspective way more in the early on. You have to remember that when we first uh, launched, Insta launched our, our app, Instagram was launching and we didn't spend a lot of time posting pictures there. There wasn't no stories. It, you know, it wasn't what it is today. So it's hard to compare. It's like the who's better, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. It's a different era that you're kind of comparing them on those sides. And it's hard to kind of match those together. But the approach that we took when we first started, I wouldn't change it. We listened to users. We engaged with them. We were give, we get them feedback. We made improvements. We were on top of everything. We didn't kind of sit on our hands and kind of wait for us to come to it. We were aggressive. And I think that's where we, we felt that we did the best job there. We listened to users first. They were the, the primary point of what we were doing. And if we weren't doing something that impacted their experience in a positive way, we wouldn't do it. I think that's our mantra and now who are being successful is that we iterated the product. We listened to feedback. We didn't put fluff in it. didn't have to be there. And we were users. We were people that were engaged in our community. I used to you know, toast and comment to all the people on there all the time just to kind of get their feedback and start a, start a conversation to kind of continue this growth from, from that perspective and really be a part of your community, both from a, you know, an owner and also a user. I think that's where you get the most amount of value there. Excellent. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Greg, we got to get into the question. I mean, sure. you are the founder and the chief creative officer of the number one craft brewery app, in the world. I'm coming up to my thousandth beer on untapped. I'm excited for that. You have probably had thousands of thousands of beers. What are some of your favorite beers and breweries, maybe from your home in Connecticut or where the headquarters in, in North Carolina or anywhere in the country or the world that you want to highlight and share to the world? I'd love to hear what the favorite beers are from Greg because I will go pick them up today. <laughs> yeah, That's we like will overnight them from here. Look at mine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ryan's got his thing out. He's like, where I got my thing out. I'm like, oh, wait, how many beers am I at right now? <laughs> <laughs> I think that, you know, from my perspective here, uh, you know, I'll start with Connecticut. I think there's a lot of great breweries in this area that I'm, I'm exploring. But one of my favorite breweries is from a brewery called the Lincoln Brewing Company. And they are located in like central Connecticut. And they make a beer called, it used to be called Gandhi Bot, but now it's called G Bot. And it's a, a double IPA. Uh, I really love that one. Uh, that's a great beer. I love G-Bot. I love it. It's a great, <laughs> great beer. So that'd be one I recommend there. And then one in the headquarters for Wilmington. So Wilmington's about four and a half hours east of Charlotte, North Carolina. If you're looking at it on a map, uh, a coastal town there. When we first uh, opened up shop there, there was like zero breweries in the town. And that was like six or seven right in downtown area. And one opened up right across the street from us called New Anthem. It's in, it's in Wilmington, North Carolina. And they make any beer they make from an IPA is amazing. So I definitely recommend uh, them. They don't really go outside of their area that often, but if you're ever in the Wilmington area uh, or any Charlotte area, they'll be a, definitely a good pick. And then nationwide, like a beer that, that just is my favorite one of all time, it has to be Planet of the Elder. I know it's a very common, common thing everyone says, but like that beer is one of the most drinkable double IPAs I've ever had. Even with the hazies that have come out since 2016 and especially being close to Treehouse like I am and Trillium, it still hands down is like one of the best beers that 
I've ever had. And I, I definitely recommend it to anyone if they haven't had it before. If you're on the East Coast, you can get the beer in Philadelphia. That's one of my favorite places to go. So if it's a quick train ride from New York City or other areas on the East Coast, well, that's a great spot to get. Uh, and you can get them at um, pretty much any area in the Philly area from that side. Other than that, it's mainly in Colorado and the West Coast, but uh, that's definitely a great beer to have. Uh, from that side. I love I love Treehouse. Is it worth waiting the two hour line sometimes? I, I did wait uh two hour line. I think it's like a rite of passage almost. So it, you have pre- to. I've, I did. I've done it. The pre-COVID area, obviously. Now it's just very different. Obviously, I don't, I don't even know that, you know, talking about the future, if that's ever going to be a thing, it's probably going to be more like, you know, delivery or just yeah. pick up windows, something like that. But the brewery, its own in, in up in, uh, in Massachusetts, it's, it's one of the, the biggest it's so good. Disney World-like places I've ever been. Uh, it's, it's incredible. Um it's just got a, a huge like area to sit down, an outdoor area. Obviously, they're, they're, they've been closed since March, so there's not much to see at this particular time. But it's a great place to go. It's definitely the beers are phenomenal. Um, you know, they, they've got everything going on. Um, their beers, just, they're great. Julius is one of my favorite beers they make. It's a super juicy IPA, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and they're really, really good. So definitely recommend it. Uh, obviously, uh, nowadays, you can't really wait in line for it. But, you know, my, the rumor is, and I don't know if this is true or not, but the place they're currently in right now was scheduled to be a Walmart. So there's two parking lots and they're like leveled. So one is like lower yep. and one is higher. And they have like actual, like in the pre-COVID days, like Gator golf carts that pick you up from the far parking lot and bring yeah. you over to the front. It, it's incredible. It was you awesome. Much that, oh, I mean, Stone Brewing Company is the only other one I can think of in a national sense that's really, really big and more elaborate, but they're much smaller on the scale from a, uh, an actual like presentation perspective. Like this brewery does not distribute anywhere. You got to pick it up at that particular location and they're cranking out beers faster than I've ever seen many bigger breweries out there. So it's pretty nuts. Pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. So we, we need to know, Greg, you brought up IPAs. Is that your style? Is there any other style that's uh, like your region for, or is it like a hazy thick IPA? So I, I actually prefer both hazies and IPAs. Mine, that's my style of choice. Uh, you know, and I, and the Greg from 10 years ago would probably like IPAs. Those are gross. And then that's <laughs> just a matter of like how you progress in your taste palette through your beer history is trying to understand what you like and what you don't like. And for me, IPAs are my, are my go-to hazy IPAs are obviously very good. I like them a lot, but I'm not a huge fan of the milkshake IPAs where the more lactose based. It's just not my thing. Um, so I like to have the more, more juice, less bitterness, but I also love more, you know, hoppier style, pil- uh, you know, uh, Pilsners and lagers. I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of navigated away from my page as much to more lagers and Pilsners and bringing them back up and talk about Jack Abbey's being in Framingham where I from is more of a lager oriented uh, brewery. And that's, you know, as I get older, you know, I, I have a kid and one on the way. So like, I, I can't be drunk 24 seven there. So like, <laughs> a nighttime beer with a Pilsner or a lager with dinner is just really good, really crisp. I think getting in, getting back into those lagers and the OG styles of, of, of beer is really cool, but don't, don't, don't ever think I ever going to move my IPAs. That's going to be my thing for a long time. I can't do the milkshake IPAs either. Being lactose intolerant, they're just terrible. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, that's a good start, Ryan. There yeah. you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, hey um, so quick question. The, the sour game, it's a huge game right now. Everyone's yep. getting into it. Trillium has their twice as telly servings. Um, you know, 450 North has their blurrier. Um, yep. They have their slushy. The, you know, Imprint Beer has all their stuff. What, what are you, what's your take on that sort of craze and the sours and the, and the, the slushy sours? Yes, yeah, great story. So obviously with our 10th anniversary, we partnered with Dogfish Head to release a special 10th anniversary beer called I Remember My First Check-In. And we actually used the untapped data 
to figure out what style of beer that would be. Cause it's more of like an altogether kind of collaboration. Anyone can brew it and put their own lo logo on there. So, you know, we kind of both did it together and sours were the highest uh, kind of threshold for people checking in year over year increasing numbers and increasing ratings and also increasing popularity. So sour is definitely a trend that we're seeing within the platform. I'm not a huge sour person, but some of the variations that the, uh, the brewers have come out with, I remember my first second beer have been pretty amazing. There's a brewery in New Jersey called Beloro snort they actually made our first anniversary beer when we first started i was friends my wife was friends with her his wife and they made a, a special beer when he was a home brewer back in the day but you know they made a beer with like apple cider donuts uh we've seen one with like uh, boston beer company made one out of their tap room down in boston and that was a local cranberry so it's a great way to kind of take away the sourness and add in fruits and, and hops mm -hmm. to make it more of a enjoyable ever for me. But I think that sours are, are not going away. Mm -hmm. They're also more uh, uh, about building in people to uh, attend, uh, get into beer. So if you're not really into beer, that could be a style preference coming into that from that side. I had one of those uh, 450 peach cobbler ring sours. And it's just like, <laughs> oh my I God. Actually, I have the... Uh, I always, apparently these are collectibles, but you can collect the cans. And I had one of these bad boys the other day and it, I felt like I wasn't even tasting a beer. So it's, yeah. it's crazy. That's, I like your opinion on that. It's a, it's a new style. People are picking up, especially those slushies and yeah. uh, crazy beer, like a warhead beer. I, I actually tried a beer for, with Sour Patch Kids in there. That was way too uh, sour for me. But, <laughs> the warhead uh, sours too? Yeah, the warhead sours. Well, I have a Sour Patch Kid one and it's just crazy. I'm like puckering just yeah, thinking right. that. that <laughs> yeah, that's too exactly. funny. Um, Greg, we, we've got to let you go. We really appreciate this. Um, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Greg Avola, co-founder of Untapped. Uh, for those of you that don't know, that's Untapped with no E-U-N-T-A-P-P-D. Discover beer. You can get it for free on the App Store. Uh, Greg, before we close out, where can our listeners find your content uh, on social media and online? Uh, you can find me at, at Greg Avola on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And also, if you want to learn more about the Untapped history, we have a documentary that we just released on our Untapped TV page. that tells you the whole 10-year story of Untapped. Just make sure you check it out on YouTube. Awesome. Well, Greg, thank you very much. Good luck with everything in the next couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> wish you and your family a safe and healthy uh, delivery process and everything. And we will talk to you soon. And thank you again for coming on. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank thanks you again. Very much. And that was just Greg Avola, founder and chief creative officer of Untapped. I mean, what more can you say? Uh, shout out for Ryan Denson for joining us on the show, Boston Beer Guy. Uh, he's going to be publishing a lot of content coming on our site in the in the coming days and weeks. So we're excited to have that. But I mean, like I said, like if you use the Untapped app, this is the mind behind it, and it was pretty pretty exciting to have him on the show. Yeah, always pretty cool to interview the person that was literally responsible for creating that app. It, it, he literally coded this app from front to be, uh, from front to back. Yeah. So good for Greg. Um, I mean, just think about how revolutionary that app has been to the craft beer industry. It is the social network for beer. Yeah. That's how I mean, we track our beer. Not only, drink. not only when you like track beer, but say if you, you know, all, most of these breweries now have those TV screens that, that are sponsored by Untapped, like are created by Untapped rather, where it like has all of the beers in order, the description, everything. Oh yeah, they've um, made they're making menus for people. They're making menus. It's for incredible. People. And I mean, anytime you go into like a, a liquor store that just has like mainly craft beer and that's what you're picking up, it's like everyone pulls out the app in their pocket, be like, what should I get? Because you're not gonna waste like twenty bucks 
on a shit beer. Mm-hmm. So you're going to like make sure it's like, oh, untap. Wow, that thing has 10,000 reviews at a 4.5. Like I have to get well, that. Well, we do that everywhere we go where yeah. we don't know what the beer's like. We are, you know, we narrow it down to maybe two, three selections. And go, oh shit, all right, that one has a 4.1. The other one has a 3.5. or yeah. the one that has a 4.1 average one. rating. So um, quite literally untapped us, tra- changed the beer industry forever. So good on Greg. Uh, we obviously are going to stay very close with him and hopefully we have him back on the show at some point um congratulations on the kid too that's huge um well we recorded this greg was like i might have to go because my wife might give birth we're like (laughs) all right um you know you should probably just dip but he he was a total champ about it he stayed with us for the 40 minutes of that interview so it was great and shout out ryan denson like you said um so we're going to talk football real quick. You came here for beer, but we're going to talk some some balls because this show would not be complete without sports. Um, we're going to talk some quick football here. A couple of surprises this week that stuck out. I mean, the Patriots beating the Cardinals is certainly one of them. 20-17. Um, to 17. The Patriots suck. They do not deserve to win anything, but they played well. Yeah, I mean, the Patriots, it's one of those weird things where it's like, uh, are you contending or are you pretending? You know, it's like you go... Whatever it is, they're pissing me off. You know, but like, I mean, like... The Cardinals. The Cardinals are a team that it's like that NFC West, you know, four teams are all like competitive, but all are like winning great games and then losing shit games. It's like this was one of them. And the the Pats did not deserve to uh, win that game, especially with Cam Newton. I mean, Cam Newton is just, he, he ain't it. Well, he was, he had his worst performance by far of the year. And according to ESPN with that like passer rating, they metric, it was awful. Yeah. It was the worst of his career 2.9 or something like that (laughs) yeah i mean it makes things interesting in that division because it's like i mean the bills are still the clear favorites the dolphins are like right underneath them but the pats are like not out of the picture yeah so that was a big surprise and i thought there were two more that were big surprises the titans and the colts i mean my god the colts look like a super bowl contending team for the past couple of weeks and then the Titans. This is not a knock on the Titans, but forty-five to twenty-six is the final score. Titans controlled that the entire game. Um, so that's the Colts are kind of leaving me questioning, like, what are they now, too? Yeah, I mean, that's a division. That's a division rivalry, um, right? And they're both at the top of the league. The Colts. The Colts took the first one in their in their uh, matchup. I felt like they were going to split. I don't think there was no way the uh, you know the Titans were going to lose that game. I still think. It's going to be a battle to the end for both those teams. If you know one of them makes the one of them is the AFC South winner, and one of them is just a wild card, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, there was I did not think it was going to be a blowout. It was definitely I thought going to be that was absurd. Yeah, because the Colts' defense is pretty phenomenal, and I mean, once King, I mean King Henry is now Tractorcito again. He is (laughs) he is hot, and you cannot like. You do not want to be in front of that man no. when he is full steam ahead just on a streak. You don't. And I, I don't know who hurt him, but he's pissed off now. Yeah. I think they were talking shit about him. Probably. That, like, they must, the analysts must have been saying something where, like, oh, he's not good, blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was surprising. And then one more before we get into uh, some surprise exhibition boxing this weekend. I don't know on what world... The Atlanta Falcons beat the Raiders 43-6. to I had been very high on the Raiders, as we know from previous shows. I like the way they play. I think Derek Carr's pretty good. And then they go and do this, and they make me look like an ass. I just don't understand. Like, 
the NFL has just been so wishy-washy this year. Besides the Steelers and and I'll say the Chiefs, everyone else has just been like one week it's like oh my god they're winning the Super Bowl and next week they're not. Oh my god! And like not to say the Raiders were contenders, but they were definitely a, a very uh, you know competitive team that has young talent, but they just laid an egg to the Falcons. Well, I mean, think about this. They're they have the same record as the Arizona Cardinals now. You know, What's they're that? six and five. Six and five. Arizona walked into Gillette Stadium at six and four. Yeah. And the same with the Raiders going into Atlanta. And they're both like, these are games that we should win against the Falcons and the Patriots. And they both lose, which that's not good. I mean, it, and it's one thing if you lose a hard fought battle to the Falcon or to the Falcons, I should say, but it's 43 to six. What are you doing, Raiders? Um, I don't know. I thought Derek Carr, and that's the thing. Derek Carr was like a, an MVP candidate to start the year. Blah 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 blah. It's like my no, God. he was. And Derek well, Carr was a he was on a short lease. This was this is because they need to justify Gruden's ten year, hundred million dollar contract. Of course they do. And if they don't make the playoffs, like it, they're not going to get rid of Gruden. They're going to get rid of Carr. Let me be very clear. This is not me saying that Derek Carr was in consideration. I'm saying that that's what people had talked about for the past two years. They're like, Derek Carr, this is finally going to be the year where he breaks out, wins an MVP or something like that. It just ain't happening. It, no. it, it, it ain't happening. He's way too streaky and inconsistent. Um, so we'll have to see. Um, but then, week 13 coming up too now. Yeah. I mean, which, speaking of an MVP candidate, Tom Brady. <laughs> Might be time to hang up the cleats, my friend. Tom, time might have defeated Tom. Ta- we don't yeah. know. Time, time said not to. Oh, like we. Yeah, you want to throw a ball at more than twenty yards? Nah, poor guy. So week thirteen coming up. We will, of course, have all of our pretenders and contenders at some point. Um, hope you guys are enjoying our recaps. We've got Patriots, Giants, Jets, Titans now, which is really cool. Some Eagles content. Uh, all that good stuff. Cardinals, Bills. Yeah, Cardinals and Bills too. Jordan and Chris are obviously doing a great job. Um, real quick before we wrap up, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what just went down on Triller of all networks this past week. If you want 2020, it, like you flash back to February and look ahead and said, wow, I can't believe on Thanksgiving night I'm going to be watching Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr., two of the best to ever fight. Um, I would have slapped you silly, but this it's 2020 and here we are. We get Mike Tyson, who clearly won the fight against Roy Jones Jr. Uh, they called it a draw because the people that were judging, like Vinny Pazienza, didn't know who was which fighter. I'm convinced. I mean, yeah, it, it was t- like I. It was very obvious that Tyson won the fight. They gave it a draw. He beat the shit out of him. He beat the shit. out I think he landed like 30 more punches. Yeah, or something like. It wasn't it was, even close. It wasn't even close, but. If Roy Jones knocked down, and that's credit to Roy Jones for staying up. I mean, granted, they were both like fifty-year-old dudes, <laughs> just like way out of their pro- way out of their prime. Tyson's like fifty-four now. Yeah, or something. but that's if crazy. if Roy Jones fell down, Tyson would have won. Oh, he was fucked. Yeah, he was yeah. fucked. It, you could tell, and, and vice versa. Yeah. Well, here's the thing about Mike Tyson. He was he's been through a lot of struggles. He was way overweight recently, he and looks, he looks good. Now. He looked really he good, looked good, and his hands have not slowed down at all. No. He definitely has slowed down, and so is so is Roy Jones, but... I mean, they're 50. I know, but... They're in their Yeah, my, my point is Mike Tyson, you know, has not lost any speed in his hands whatsoever. He could beat any active boxer right now, I think, if... Or most of them, anyway. Um, I mean, my God, that was incredible to watch Mike Tyson fight um, 
That's just nuts. Against one of the best boxers ever, too. Roy Jones Jr. is no slouch. He was very, very good. And it was an exhibition match, so they were fighting for nothing, but I, I really enjoyed watching that. No, it was it was interesting. I mean, it was definitely a little bit more interesting than the Jake Paul and Nate Robinson fight. I don't know who made that a co-main event, too. That should have been a way undercard match, but that was embarrassing. It's the all-name game, and like Nate yeah. Robinson got smoked. Because yeah. then, like, the day before when Jake Paul is like, hey, Nate Robinson's kids don't watch this. I'm going to kill your daddy. I was like, uh, I don't know. I think Nate Robinson's a pretty good athlete. I mean, Jake Paul, like, yeah, you're like a fighter now, you know, quotations around that. But I thought it was going to be close. Like definitely probably Jake Paul, the favorite, but not a blowout. He got fucked. I'll leave it at this. And Nate Robinson got murked. Yeah. On that. I, I, I want to leave it at this here. Jake Paul is such an asshole. Oh, I mean, the Paul brothers are just he painted himself as someone who came from nothing and overcame so much adversity. It's like, dude, you got in so much trouble with the law and were just, you, you treated COVID like it was fake. Um, like, fuck you, man. Yeah. Fuck you. I wish Nate Robinson beat him. So that's boxing. We, won't, we don't talk a lot of boxing on the show. This might have been the first or second time we've ever talked boxing, but hope you enjoyed it. Um, if there are exhibition fights in the Legends Only League, we will be sure to talk about them again. <laughs> Positivity Corner, do we have anything? Yes, yeah, so uh, we're going to talk about the Queen. The Queen of England has launched her own gin brand featuring botanical groans from her country estate. Uh, the Gardens Royal Estate in Norfolk countryside provides ingredients for the gin, which costs around 67 American dollars per pound and can take up to two weeks to make. Um, the gin is made with Sharon fruit, also known as Chinese persimmon, I believe that's persimmon. Persimmon. Yes. There we go. And um, this is just something that the queen loves gin. If you know the queen, mm. if, you're in, if you're into royalty, you know the crown. Shout out the crown. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the gin is produced, obviously, by the Royal Collection Trust. Um, you can actually order it online. Mm. I don't know if it'll be sent to the U.S., but that'd be pretty cool. In this economy, probably not. In this economy, probably not. <laughs> I mean, if they want the vaccine, we can get the queen's gin. Damn right. Um, <laughs> that should be our collateral. Yeah. But our new Buckingham Palace gin is available to pre-order online. Lebanon, verbena, hawthorn berries, and mulberry leaves are among the 12 botanicals handpicked for the gin in the gardens at Buckingham Palace. Nice. I wonder if the queen fermented that herself. She definitely knows how to make a good <laughs> gin and tondo. <laughs> and you just drop the phone. And like that's all she wrote, folks. <laughs> that's our show. Uh, episode 34 coming up. If you like the beer content, we've got another beer guest tentatively for episode 34. Of course, things might shift around. Go follow us on social media. That's Will. I'm Jake. So long, folks. Take it easy.